What's up, sports fans? My name is Lucas Weiss, host of the Wee Sports Chronicles podcast. We got a great guest for you today. It's Austin Karp. He's the managing editor and digital of sports business journal Daily. In this episode, I chat with Austin about how he got into covering sports business and sports media, his approach as a managing editor of sports business journal, as well as digging deeper into some of the viewership and ratings trends in 2020, why some of the big marquee events had lower ratings this year, and then looking ahead to the ratings of NFL events like Thanksgiving football, the Super Bowl, as well as the future of linear television, the rise of streaming services, and the future of different uh, potential television contracts with different sports leagues. It's a really fascinating conversation with Austin, and I think for any sports journalist interested in pursuing a career in sports media, having an understanding of sports business is so vital, and I think you're going to really get a lot out of this conversation with Austin. The We Sports Chronicles podcast is available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, so make sure to like, rate, watch, and subscribe to all three of those channels. Now let's get to episode 87 with Austin Karp on the We Sports Chronicles podcast. All right, as I said off the top, I am pleased to be joined by Austin Karp. He is the managing editor and digital of Sports Business Journal and Daily. He's someone that is one of the leading voices of anything related to sports media, sports viewership, and ratings. And he's kind enough to join me today on the We Sports Chronicles podcast. Austin, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. Really appreciate you having me on. Well, Austin, we're going to get, you know, dive deep into, you know, several topics. But, you know, many of my listeners, we, we have sports media figures on, broadcasters, reporters. But you're a very, you know, unique person in the sports media industry. So why not just start off by maybe informing the listeners what your role entails on a daily basis? Yeah. So it's kind of, it, it's twofold. One, I oversee you know, all of our ratings reporting. So I, I'm t- talking with the networks, talking with leagues, trying to get a feel for what's going on out there, whether it's TV ratings, streaming, other sorts of social media metrics, you know, trying to get a holistic picture of everything that's going on from you know, a broadcast media perspective, because it's not just the television rating anymore. You know, there's so many ways that people are consuming media, and I'm just trying to give our readers best look possible at, at, at a given telecast or a given sport or, or any sort of event like that. Um, I also oversee all of our um, vertical newsletter products as the editor. So that's SBJ Media with John Aran. I'm his editor there. And we have college and esports and football and marketing and sports betting now because that's going to be huge. And uh, so I'm, I'm, we're really diving deep into those verticals now as part of the new, pro- you know, new products that we're offering. And I'm really excited what's going on there. Yeah, and it sounds like with the different verticals, like you just mentioned, that the that your readership and audience has certainly changed over the years. I mean, you just mentioned how television was, was so big, but now it's digital content as well as those other, other verticals. So I guess for you, the audience of, of readers has, has significantly changed. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at where ESPN, something like an ES, where ESPN was uh, 10 years ago, five years ago, like 100 million homes every year. Now it's... You know, you're talking closer to 80 million homes, and that's for a lot of these networks, not just sports networks. They're, the amount of people in the United States that are, you know, cable subscribers, satellite TV subscribers, that is just sliding lower and lower every year. Now, 
you know, big companies like Disney, they're packaging their networks and getting on these YouTube TVs and Hulu Live TVs. So you're starting to see them actually come back up to where they were a little bit um, in terms of overall audience. But it's not how it was traditionally. You got to really keep an eye on the mix there between digital and your traditional cable satellite. It's interesting because before you, you you got to sports business journal, you were an attorney and and you, you know yeah. you pursued law school. So so what made you decide to you know go from from the legal world to now you know the sports business world? You know, it's it's funny now because oh my gosh, that's now fourteen years ago <laughs> that I made the switch. Um, and it, it it's kind of funny because in the sports world, people I've come across, I see so many people that have that background. And have made the switch because they wanted to follow something that they're passionate about. Mm. You know, I was doing corporate law. It was a very, you know, great, very nice firm I was with. I mean, obviously, the pay for a lawyer is not too shabby. Mm-hmm. And, but I was like, you know, do I want to do that? And I decided, you know what? I think I have an opportunity here to interview for the sports position. It was like just doing research for the, for the sports business daily side. And, you know, I just took the leap. And here I am 14 years later. I still love what I do for a living. It's, yes, it's very nice to have the legal background. I put my, my lawyer hat on sometimes because, I mean, the intersection of business and law, you, you can't even tell sometimes. So mm-hmm. it's nice to have that sort of analytical training and to, you know, to be able to look at a problem in a different way. Yeah, I mean, one of my former guests was John Wertheim of Sports Illustrated. He had a similar uh, path to you where, you know, starts out in law and then, and then goes into sports media. And look, I mean... You see a lot of examples of that. I know Brian Burke, who's, you know, a hockey executive, then, you know, turned to TV broadcaster here in Canada. And you just see, and, and some of those skills about, you know, analysis and problem solving, I believe certainly help you become a better journalist and, and, and a better person to, to understand the certain trends when you have that analytical mind that is so important in, in the legal field. Yeah, and you know the the axiom, and you know if you if you love what you do, you never really work in a day. Like, <laughs> I have found that to be true, and I love coming into work in the morning still. So, Austin, can can anyone do what you do? Because I mean, the thing is, like, sports media is such a unique beat. Like, I mean, you know, like you know, covering a sports team or covering health or business, but. I guess for you, like, do you think that the reason you know you were a little bit older? You could, you know, connect to television executives a lot easier than, 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 let's say, a younger person in their 20s wanting to cover sports media? You know, it's interesting. Like, I always, you know, I was always a sports fan, first off. Mm. But when I came into this, and what I, I quickly learned is that, like, I'm not a sports journalist. I'm a business, we're in business journalism, mm. covering that side of sports. And it was easier to wrap my head around that and, and, and treat it like a business and to look at it. And I actually found it very intellectually stimulating, like, you know, covering the business side of sports. I find mm. it highly interesting still. But, I mean, when I started this, I was still only 26. I was only a year mm. out of law school. And, um, yeah, you're, you're, 26 is still young these days. So, yeah, I had to work. I had to really make the connections. you, you got to put in the work over years. And, in, you know, specifically covering the media – there, there's a lot to learn on, on covering ratings. It's a, it's a gauntlet, and everyone's trying to kind of spin the story as positively as possible. That's their job. My job is to look at the numbers and be as objective as possible and give what I believe is you know, the clearest picture of how a telecast performed, 
how something didn't perform, where a, a league is at in terms of their 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 audience. Because I mean, these things matter because they're signing billion dollar contracts with these networks, and advertisers are paying top dollar. And you know, I want people that are reading our publication to get the clearest picture possible of what is really going on. Yeah, it's really interesting that you mentioned that because I mean, I'm in I'm in journalism school right now, and, and one of the classes that we took was about the business of sports. And I think for younger journalists getting into the industry, having a foundational knowledge of that is so important because look, you could become a reporter or a broadcaster one day for a television network. You're signing a contract, and the only reason why you may stay in that role is because of the viewership and the ratings, right? You know, I, I know that's simple terms, but I mean. I just think that having an understanding of that, even if you don't necessarily cover it like you do, is so vital in terms of understanding just the, the nature of how sports and sports media works. Yeah, and just like, like you said, you want to bring, bring as much of a diversified background as you can. Um, I, you know, I was a lawyer. I also went to Georgia Tech, so I, I had a lot of number background and you know, an analytical background from kind of an engineers, engineering sort of side. And like I said, I was always a fan of sports, but I never thought of myself as like getting into sports journalism and covering a team on the road and being in the locker room. That wasn't something that interested me. But covering, like I said, covering the business side of sports, I, I find to be fascinating and I, I continue to love to this day. So Georgia Tech, what's, uh, what are some of your favorite memories from sports there? It's not one of, uh, from, from my understanding, not, not one of the big programs, but still a passionate fan base from what I understand. Well, we got a, we got four national titles in football. Okay. And obviously, football was big, and you know, heck, we have a national title uh, more recently than University of Georgia, our rival. So, all right, on. Out there. No, 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 no. That's good. No, that's uh, not. Uh, it was, football was, was always my big thing there. You know, uh, we were ranked in the top ten there when I was like a sophomore. This quarterback named Joe Hamilton. You know, back when we threw the ball, then we took a break and ran the ball for eleven years. Didn't throw it forward with the option offense, but. Um, <laughs> Now we're throwing the ball forward again, and the forward pass is a really nice thing that, that they found again. I'm very excited about the, the Georgia Tech offense. You mentioned earlier about when you got into sports business, you know, building those relationships. And, and, and yeah. look, relationships are so important in sports media and sports broadcasting. Mm-hmm. I mean, anyone could have a contact number. Anyone could have an email. But cultivating that relationship, how how long did it take for you, Austin, to be able to say, like, look, I'm comfortable now speaking with a television executive at Network X? Years. Mm. Years and years. Like, calling over and over again. And, you know, I'm speaking, you're first, you're speaking a lot with the public relations offices. And you've got to pick up the phone. It's, it's almost like sales. Even if you're in research, which is what I was doing, you have to almost treat it like sales in that, you, you got to be comfortable with who you're talking to. They have to trust you. You have to get the numbers right. Um, because if you write, I've, you know, we've reported stuff that wasn't, I remember my first year, uh, I got a number from our baseball writer because I couldn't get in touch with the Fox Sports PR department. It was during the World Series. And I was like, is this, are you sure this is right? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah go, it's right. I put it, you know, we recorded it. And like five minutes later, I had a voice message from uh, the head of Fox Sports Public Relations <laughs> at the VP level. And here I am. I'm a junior researcher, essentially, you know, cursing me up and down, like, this is not, oh my God, I can't believe you guys are, so you really, they, you, they have to trust you that they're going to, you're going to be, treat the, treat the information properly and report it correctly, give it the right context. I mean, context, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, especially now during the pandemic with all these 
every property is seeing some sort of record low or they're seeing some sort of drop and you can't just say they're down in a vacuum and mm-hmm. you know write a tweet and okay that's the end of it no there's so much more that you need to talk about in terms of shifting calendars and just the shift in the overall media landscape right now and and that's, those are just two of dozens of possible reasons you have to consider when, when you're writing these things so i mean yeah it took years to be comfortable like getting in touch with executives and having them trust you to report the numbers correctly two words there stand out from your answer context and trust i mean context is drilled to us journalism school students but it's so important i mean whether it's you know tweeting on social media writing in articles you can't just make a statement and just say well that's what it is you got to provide you know necessary historical context current context and background to really provide an accurate picture of what's going on and then trust and look trust you know doesn't happen you know instantly you got to build that over time through reps and multiple conversations because i bet there have been instances where you know, you build a relationship, but then one person breaks the trust and then boom, the relationship's over. So you really got to be able to gain that trust in order to build credibility. Uh, you know, I, I can't remember anything specific off the top of my head, but like, I know, yeah, there's been times where I've asked for something like, and I, you know, I thought it was coming and then I had to, you know, I, I had to go, I had to drop it because like, you know, I couldn't get the right information. And then like five seconds after we published, oh, oh, here, magically the information appears hmm. like, I know, like I said, I know people have a job to do, and that is those instances are few and far between. Um, the people who work in these public relations offices at networks and leagues are some of the best people. They're, they're really mm-hmm. nice people, but and they're hustling. I mean, they're doing so, so much work. So, you know, kudos to all the people that, that do those sorts of jobs. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's building trust and, uh, keep, and it's, there's also turnover. Like some people I have worked with my full 15 years that have been, know they've been at either a network or a league the entire time but there is turnover and you got to rebuild relationships you got to get on the phone they you have to be able to have trust with people so you get to from my research sports business daily journal as a research associate around august of 2006 and then you know you know you work your way up What's sort of the, you know, the dominating trend at that time in terms of sports business, in sports media? Because clearly television's still, you know, predominantly one of the major ways people consume content. Digital is starting to increase, but social media hasn't been entrenched into the population yet. Like I remember getting Facebook in 08, Twitter in 09. So that was sort of when it started to come, but what were sort of the dominating trends, themes from your early days at the Sports Business Journal? You know, when I started, it was kind of the shift of maybe some tentpole sports events away from broadcast TV to cable. Mm. You're talking about when the BCS left, like, Fox and ABC and went over to ESPN. Like, that was a major shift. Like, mm-hmm. maybe, and like, um, the Rose Bowl going to ESPN off of, oh my God, like the Rose Bowl leaving broadcast TV, it's the end of the world. Um, you know, it's still on, I think it might still be on ABC sometimes, but those big marquee football games, uh, Monday Night Football, when it went from, uh, went to ESPN, or, uh, I mean, that was that was a big shift. I mean, Sunday, they had been on Sunday Night Football, but Monday Night Football is just, a, historically was a bigger property. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're also seeing just the dominance of sport on TV because when I started yeah you still had some television programs like entertainment shows that were 
you know, like Lost and, you know, things like that that were appointment TV. And you had just seen one by one just knocked off. There's no very, there's almost no appointment TV on broadcast TV anymore. So when you look at the top 100 telecasts of the year between 2006 and what it is now, now it's all sports. Yep. And like the Oscars and the Emmys and, and, the, and uh, the Grammys or something like that. But it used to be like, you know, for years, Bing Bang Theory might have had 10 spots on there or, or some of these other shows. But, you know, as those shows went off the air, like it, it sports just overtook it. And if you want to advertise your product to a mass audience, if you're a brand like Procter & Gamble, okay, you are going to have to be advertising through sports to get in front of that viewer who's not skipping through the commercials. Yeah, and, and you mentioned all sports, and it's mostly all Super Bowls. I mean, the Super Bowl took like a real big, you know, hike in, in terms of viewership and ratings. I, I believe the most rated was Super Bowl Forty Nine was was one of the most. Or it's up there, but it's the only thing that's going to attract anywhere near a hundred million viewers now. Exactly. And the next closest thing are the AFC and NFC Championship. You're talking in the range of forty to fifty million viewers. Um, you have some of these, uh, you know, presidential um, type debates or things like that, but you're not really getting brand advertising. <laughs> so it's tough to really compare there. Uh, but then it's littered with NFL games or if it's an Olympic year. And that's why the Olympics are a huge deal. That is almost like you're getting like 17 nights. That's like a full season of Sunday night football yep. that advertisers are getting during a two week. Yeah, it's just, it's two weeks. It's right there. But every night you're getting huge audiences and brands want to be a part of the Olympics. Do you remember a, a, a story or a, or, or a scoop that, that you or news that you broke, Austin? That that in your career, you know, you know, signified okay, like you, you know, you becoming one of the leading voices that you are now in terms of sports ratings and sports media coverage. Well, I mean, when I started, whenever I do these league wraps, like whether it's like the you know the NBA season did this or the NFL season, I give a really encompassing picture. You know, once I started doing those, I started getting more pickup. And, you know, when I really knew that I was going to be doing this for a living, mm -hmm. when I knew that, okay, I can, I, I maybe don't have to, maybe I can put the law books in a box in the attic. <laughs> was uh, when I saw my first, I had written something for Sports Business Daily. It was a mid-season look at NHL ratings. I had called net, all the national networks, the regional sports networks, to give like a, a look. And, you know, it made it to print. Now, it was the first time I saw my name in print. Like, I'm not a journalist by trade. Mm -hmm. So I had never I had never really experienced that. And it was like the first story I'd seen in the magazine, like page seven. I, you know, I, I we got it framed. And uh, that's when I knew, like, okay, th this I can do this for a living. <laughs> you speak of NHL. Like, do, do you focus on the Canadian markets? Or are you strictly United States? That, in that one, it was just the U.S. markets. It's so hard. Yeah, because Nielsen doesn't really measure the Canadian. They don't. We don't. Nielsen doesn't measure the Canadian market. It's a. It's a different metric. Different mm -hmm. measuring system, which stinks. When like the Raptors made the NBA Finals, it's like every story you got to write. It's like, well, they're also missing one of the largest markets in North America because it's not measured by yeah. Nielsen. And you know, if the Blue Jays make the World Series, or you know, if two NHL teams from Canada ever decide to make the Cup Final again, uh, which is it. It's gonna happen. <laughs> it's gonna happen. So I, whenever you know, if Edmonton is playing Montreal in, in the final, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm sure NBC is, is gonna be on. As soon as the number come out, they're gonna be calling me to give me as much context as possible. Like, oh, you know, Edmonton's not measured. I'm like, yes, I know. Yeah. So we'll provide that proper context. 
but you know that that's we're talking about and making sure that you give the whole picture as to what is really going on well, it's funny that you mentioned the Raptors because I know that, you know, certainly in the States it wouldn't have been one of the, you know, the highest rated finals. But in Canada, those broadcasts were one of the highest viewed broadcasts in sports history. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's the important context there. And, and certainly it's, it is a shame that now that you mentioned that they just don't operate in, 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 in the same metric. And we'll, I will like put a note at the bottom. Oh, also like, you know, it was the most viewed game in Canada or this Blue Jays wildcard game, you know, did an incredible number on Sportsnet or, or, or something like that. But I'm, I try not to, you know, do apples and oranges. Mm-hmm. That's what I really try to avoid is comparing apples and oranges. Because why? I mean, that's just, that's almost, that's disingenuous yeah. a little bit. And I don't want to confuse readers. I don't want to use another company. I mean, everyone in the United States, all these media companies, the accepted metric is, you know, generally Nielsen. That's yeah. when people are talking about ratings. It's a Nielsen rating. It's not a perfect system, but everyone's using the same system. Okay, so I don't want to also introduce some other companies' ratings, or it's. I, I, I'm trying to keep it on a level playing field as much as possible. I want to pivot to talk about sports in 2020 because it's just been you know such an unprecedented year in many ways, and certainly for you know you and in sports business coverage. I want to maybe flash back before we dig deeper into to the ratings in terms of where you were on that infamous week in March when like everything just seemed to shut down from sports. And did you, from your you know knowledge and, and reporting, did you sort of sense that this was going to, you know, this storm was coming, that perhaps sports leagues were going to be postponed? In March, uh, first, I'll answer the first part of the question. Uh, we were, I was in the newsroom. We were watching the NCAA tournament. Um, I was at, I was actually in the newsroom that night before when the NBA game got canceled. Yeah, I had stayed late to, you know, put a newsletter to bed, and it was like, wow, this is, you know, it, it's happening. But I remember, I, I gave a speech to like a, a local club here in Charlotte, and it was uh, right after the Super Bowl. Yep, a week or two after the Super Bowl. And you had started seeing the news come up in Asia, mm-hmm. and I'm not an epidemi- I'm not I'm not an epidemiologist. Yeah, but I play one on TV. <laughs> and they asked me what something I'm watching for, and I'm like, I don't think. I think the Olympics are going to have a tough time going on. Mm-hmm. I was just focused on the Olympics. I'm like, if this spreads to five countries in Asia, China, and if it gets to Japan, I was just thinking Japan at the time. There's no way. Everybody from around the world can be coming into Japan when you have a global pandemic. Because I'm thinking back to SARS and you know these other um, uh, viruses that we had in years past. I'm like, there's it just I just don't see the Olympics. I, I didn't see the Olympics happening at that time, and that was before it even hit the United States. So, I, but I didn't know anything else. I just knew like it's going to be real hard for them to pull off the Olympics. And then I mean, obviously this you know this happens. Sports get postponed and it really then evolves into a conversation about ratings and viewership because when they restart obviously there's that sort of initial excitement but then once we see the final numbers record lows maybe just provide for from your analysis austin and i'll give you as much time as necessary just you know why is this the case like why why have we seen just record lows in all these marquee events well, I, I think about it in terms of a buffet. You can, and you have all of your favorite meals put out there at the same time. You can only eat so much. Mm. Eventually, you just you're running out of room. And in this case, there's 
only so many hours in the day that you want to consume sports. That's why the sports calendar is spread out like it was. And everyone decided to come back pretty much at once. Yeah. In the, like that late August, early September range, football was starting in the United States, so you had to deal with the 10,000-pound gorilla. <laughs> it, it was It's just – it was so hard to compete at a time when the NBA shouldn't be playing, when the NHL shouldn't be playing. And you had college football, and you had uh, the U.S. Open of tennis, and, and you know, they're trying to do um, – some of these horse racing uh, triple crown races when like the Kentucky Derby in the fall, what's going on? That's, like, that's the first weekend in May. I'm trained to watch for the Kentucky Derby on the first weekend in May. And there were just only so many. And then you had the politics in the United States because we're gearing, we were gearing up for a presidential election. And that was really sucking the, the air out of the room in terms of the ratings, because you're seeing these 30, 40, 50% spikes on these cable news networks. Because people are, this is the, was the most engaged election mm -hmm. that I can remember, and all that combined with people just kind of want to check out a little bit. And when you watch sports, and you weren't seeing a lot of these live crowds, it was just kind of made for TV sort of deal. It takes a little bit out of it. I think there's something to be said for that, and you know, people just want to check out and maybe just watch Netflix, mm -hmm. and, and maybe that was the, the escape that they needed. They needed to watch Tiger King again or something like that or some other program whether it's amazon you know tv or, or whatever but uh, yeah it hurt a lot of these properties and you saw record lows for the horse races and the nba finals and the nhl was down the nhl playoffs were down something like 60 percent in, in the united states and it was just you got to almost write it off like it's a one-off yeah. it's going to be you can't compare next year to this year and you couldn't com really compare this year to last year and the people that were trying to do that on social media and with I mean, trying to you know, get likes or uh, try to, you know, get some sort of one-liners out there on Twitter. It, it was very disingenuous without giving the proper context. Yeah, I mean, and, and obviously, I mean, you, you mentioned sort of, I guess, like viewer fatigue in the sense that like there's yes. a lot going on and then they just want to go and, and watch something else. But how much would you say is sort of then the, you know, the transition from, more people watching on you know digital platforms or streaming platforms rather than just normal linear television. I think that was a big thing um, because on some of these properties, what got overlooked is that they had record streaming. <laughs> yeah, and the stream was up huge, but it's still such a smaller fraction of the overall audience, like single digits still, low probably low single digits because a lot of people just haven't cut that cord yet, and it. Uh, there are we have a huge baby boomer generation and yeah they're still sticking with their direct tvs and, and their cable because it's just easier to stick with that than have to figure out what is youtube tv and what do i get because with cable you know you're pretty much getting everything it's, it's very simple it is a it's a good product actually okay and now you have all these different services oh some of them have the regional sports network some of them might not carry espn and some of them might not carry this so you're just it could drive you crazy trying to figure out which which package to get, and that prevents a lot of people from making the switch. Do you think when these events go back to a normal time slot, I mean, even the NBA and the NHL starting a little bit later, perhaps ending a bit later, they're not going to go back to, like, quote-unquote, the June time slot for a, at least another year. But do you think it'll get back to sort of similar numbers, or do you see this trend continuing where you know you know declines are more apparent in terms of television you know i'll take i'll speak specifically to the nba here. okay 
the NBA was was kind of in a down year. They're down two years almost. Mm-hmm. And and this just you know this the, the pandemic did not help their numbers. They were coming off the highs of the Warriors and and, and Steph Curry. And when Steph Curry went down, they started moving Warrior and, and Clay went down too. They started moving Warriors games off of TV left and right. Yeah, it was something like seven, eight, nine games they were taking off TNT and ESPN. The NBA is kind of dependent on having big names drive the numbers. Um, I think if you had had LeBron James and the Lakers in a normal June time slot, yes, you would, would have seen an uptick in the NBA Finals this year. I, I think there's no doubt, especially considering what you and I were just talking about earlier, there was no Toronto market to yeah. really measure last year. So the bar was lower than it would compared to those big days of uh, the Cavaliers and the Warriors when they were going at it with LeBron. But LeBron moves the needle. He's the Tiger Woods still of NBA basketball. And I guess the traditional big markets to Austin would move the needle too. Like if a you know, I don't think the New York Knicks are making the NBA Finals anytime soon. But though you know those traditional big markets, New York, Chicago, etc., yeah. could move the needle to to more viewers. And it, it it really hurt the NBA obviously when LeBron left Cleveland mm-hmm. because that left a huge hole in those. Think about your ESPN nights and TNT nights. They're doubleheaders. So what are you putting in those seven, seven, seven o'clock, seven thirty Eastern Time games now? It's a bunch of there are some decent teams out there, and but if you put the Raptors on, but they're really good. You're not getting that market, so that's why I mean TNT and ESPN. It's not really worth them to put them on that often. Philadelphia, okay. Celtics, okay. Heat, okay. But there aren't those big names that are really moving it. Those were all out west, and we haven't seen Kevin Durant on the Nets yet. I think that could be very interesting to see if he can drive that sort of number because he is the real deal. But uh, all the big names, the Rockets, the Warriors, the Lakers, everybody else. I mean, even with even the Jazz and Nuggets are really fun to watch. That was one of the best series I've ever seen that mm-hmm. uh, this year, that playoff series. But it, they have to find a way to get some bigger names out east to really fill that early primetime window in those doubleheaders. Another shift that we saw due to the pandemic was more remote production. And this obviously, you know, is, you know, led to some, some layoffs. I mean, ESPN, among, among others. I mean, I guess, you know, you're just going to have to wait the pandemic out. But is this a trend that's going to continue, in, in your opinion, Austin? And do you think the fact that it is remote production plays a role in declines in viewership and ratings? I don't think it plays a part in decline in ratings. As long as you're still, you know, they're still showing really good games. They can, they've shown they can do it remotely. And for the first part of the question, I do think a lot of that is going to be here to stay. Okay. Um, it is a bottom line thing. And these networks have lost and leagues have lost a lot of money during this pandemic. They're going to have to make that up somehow. And if they, it has to be done through remote production, at some events, especially regular season games, or even some playoff games, you'll still see you know the full complement at huge events, your Super Bowls, your NBA Finals, all your tentpole big sport events. You'll you'll see a, a big crowds at those sorts of things. But I mean, even I mean, look at what NBC is already having to talk about doing for the Olympics. They don't normally send well over a thousand type staffers, and they're cutting that back by hundreds. Mm. Uh, they're going to be doing remote production out of. You know, the studios that they have in the United States, whether it's in New York, whether it's in Stamford, Connecticut, where NBC Sports is headquartered. Uh, tele- they own Telemundo, so they're going to be doing some work out of that Miami office. They're going to be doing stuff out of CNBC in New Jersey. 
So they have these state-of-the-art facilities. They can do their remote production. They've shown the quality does not drop off on the production side. But yeah, it's things for people like that was the career of so many people. And it really sucks to see those sorts of layoffs. And I really hope the best, I really wish the best for all of those people. Well, absolutely. And like, I just, I look at broadcast. I mean, I've done play by play. And, and I mean, when you're in a building, you know, you feel that energy, you feel the, the atmosphere. And obviously, you know, you can see a lot better compared to, you know, watching on a screen, but it all it all comes down to money, Austin. Right at the end of the day, yeah. and, and and as you said, I mean, bottom line, it, it's if it's if it's cheaper to do, even though broadcasters may not particularly like it, if it's cheaper to do, the, the, these networks are trying anything to cost and, and you know cost cut and save money. It's a business. It's the only the only business with its own section of every newspaper. One of the other things too, I mean, in, in 2020 with, with sports was obviously, you know, more messaging related to social justice and, and Black Lives Matter as a result of the George Floyd protests. And there's this common point, which I'm sure you've heard, that these protests, Black Lives Matter, have led to, you know, you know a decline in viewership. Personally, I call BS. What do you have to say? Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to, before I called BS, I really wanted to check into the numbers. And I talked to a lot of researchers at networks who are living in these numbers. Mm-hmm. And it is similar to what, you know, everyone said the NFL was down in 2016 because Colin Kaepernick and others were kneeling on the sidelines. There was zero empirical evidence to really back that up. Like, it, it, there was almost no decrease dedicated to that. Flash forward to 2020. The people who are and the numbers that I've seen in the people that were complaining about, oh, I'm not going to watch because it's it, there are Black Lives Matters issues going on with the NBA or NASCAR did it. Um, it has been, again, not really a factor. The people that, who were not going to watch those particular telecasts weren't going to watch anyways. Mm. They just wanted to get on social media and everyone wants to say something on social media. It, it really ha- hasn't been hasn't been much of an impact and in fact i think even something like the nba i can't remember if it was a regular season or the playoffs but they had actually seen a one percent uptick in republican <laughs> viewers so uh, it put the, the stats put those sorts of uh, theories to bed yeah I, I i guess another reason why we shouldn't uh you know use social media as the uh explainer of everything you got to uh no. dig deeper into the numbers and, that, and that's something we try to provide. It's something we try, you know, we're dealing with business executives who, you know, want to know what is actually going on out there and not just read, you know, a hundred some odd characters on Twitter. I want to sort of end this conversation by just talking a little bit about the future. And, and obviously, I mean, we're, we're recording this the week of American Thanksgiving, which is a staple on the NFL calendar. The NFL playoffs are coming up. Who knows if if it'll be delayed or not due to COVID. But right now, it is what it is, January, February with with the Super Bowl. Do you expect similar ratings and viewership for those marquee NFL events? Or do you still see a little decline like, you know, like we've seen? I expect expect Thursday's NFL games to be three of the top ten most viewed telecasts in the United States this year. Hmm. Uh, will it will they be as big as they were last year? I don't know. Um, I'm very curious to see. Uh, Thanksgiving is always unique in the United States in that the the hut levels, the houses using televisions, always you know spikes because everyone's at home, 
everyone's definitely going to be at home this Thanksgiving. Uh, they're not going to be gathering around maybe um, with as much family to watch those games. But you, the tradition of watching football on Thanksgiving in the United States is still alive and well. You wish that the Cowboys and Lions, the traditional teams that are playing there in the afternoon, were any sort of TV draw, but they are not right now. Uh, the primetime game is the one to watch for. NBC could do a really good number. They got a, they got a decent match up there. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think they're going to do well. The, M- the NFL has closed the gap a little bit. Uh, during the thick of the election, they were down closer to 10% early in the season. Now it's gone to 6 or 7%. They're down maybe even less now. Uh, I, I think as the election noise dies down, they may even be able to close the gap if they can get some of those competitive games in some of those national windows. You start to see a playoff race pick up. You aren't having the competition you had early in the season, not just with cable, well, not just with cable news, but with the NBA, with NHL, with World Series. Um, if heh, there's not even really a lot of college football to compete with, because college football can't get, can't really can't get on the field for a lot of these games. I think there was something like 18 games canceled in the United States last week. Um, but the NFL seems to have a, a better grip on it. They have just recently really up their protocols on the sidelines like everyone's got to be wearing a mask almost full-time now if you're not getting back in the game they want to get this season done they want to get through the super bowl you're not going to see it's going to be a different super bowl um with the halftime show with, with, with everything just the pomp and circumstance that normally comes with that um, i'm very interested to see how the nfl pulls that off or what they they're going to pull it off to see what they do <laughs> in pulling it off they were the first to do that virtual draft. It was a record for them. So they, they have experience doing this sort of thing. Uh, I'm, I'm watching what the NFL is doing the rest of the season and also with the start of college basketball, if they can get their act together and get on the court. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and you know, in building off the NFL, I know from your reporting that ESPN's and, you know, trying to get Sunday night football. I know the NHL's yeah. about to renegotiate, or, you know, television yeah, rights. And those, they're not going to see drop-offs. They're not going to see. No, just because there's a pandemic, don't expect the NFL is giving any sort of discount. Okay. They're going to be paying, these networks are going to be paying top dollar. You're going to see a big increase for the NFL. Everyone still wants to be a part of that. All four of the incumbents want to be part of it. And, and other networks want to be in on it, whether it's DAZN, um, wanting to get in on maybe the Sunday ticket package, that's one you're going to see change. That's not going to be exclusive to DirecTV anymore. I think you'll see the NFL really experiment there with who can carry that. It might be multiple parties, a non-exclusive thing where there's a digital partner and maybe, or maybe a couple digital partners. So that that's may see may see a company like DAZN or Amazon or, or Yahoo. Just I'm just throwing out names mm-hmm. here. Get involved there. You also may see the NFL carve out a specific package of live games for a streaming outfit mm. like maybe it's the international games in london maybe a five or six game package goes to amazon to just air those because i mean fox or cbs was having to show those games at 9 a.m anyways i don't think they were really excited about it a lot of times they try to get me to cut that number out of their <laughs> season ratings anyways so why not let amazon experiment there they've done a good job with their thursday night simulcast but getting an entire nfl package to maybe I'll just use Fox, for example. Fox's package is not going to a digital partner. <laughs> you lose millions and millions of eyeballs. And even if Amazon wanted to pay it, like, I, I just don't see it. We're, we are not at that inflection point yet in 
cable t in, in linear TV versus digital TV. Do you see the same thing happen with the NHL? In because I know NBC's contract is expiring. Seem like do you sense that you know no discount there as well, even though with even with the pandemic, as well as more streaming available for for NHL, or is that a different animal? I think it's different with the NHL. I think you might see some different stuff with the NHL. I I don't. The live sports is still important, and the NHL is still a stronger property. But it, let's say they go back to ESPN. They're not going to go back to ESPN without ESPN Plus getting some sort of exclusive window of games. That's my opinion. So I think the NHL is more likely to maybe experiment with the streaming. Or maybe it's on uh, Peacock. Mm. If they stick with NBC, maybe there's an exclusive package. And uh, you know the, the Canadian deal come, uh, comes up at, at a different time. So whatever, if you're a Canadian hockey fan i would definitely be watching what the nhl does because it's going to be reflected in the next deal with rot with sportsnet or whoever you know wants to get involved there maybe it's a zone up there because they have a stronger presence you never know but i would definitely be paying attention to what the u.s writes uh what happens there with the nhl last question for you austin and and obviously you know we, we mentioned about earlier some of you know the important traits for you being successful in your job but for many of the young journalists who are listening to this, looking to get into an industry that's you know scarcer with opportunities, what advice would you give someone like that? And, and how important is is having, you know, even just a background knowledge of of, of the stuff that that you do in sports business? Well, I, I can. I'm going to go ahead and plug us, and you know, <laughs> if you can, if you're out of position to have access to us, read sports business journal. Um, read what's going on, you know, check out a free trial and just, you know, see what it is that we cover, see all the, what encompasses sports business, you know, the media side, the sponsorship, advertising, league operations, team operations, facilities every day is who's doing what in the industry. It's a who, like who are the movers and shakers in our industry. But if you're young and trying to get into sports, you got to be patient right now. Yep. Like you said, the opportunities are not as bountiful as they used to be. And you, I wouldn't, don't expect, you know, to become a vice president overnight. You're going to have to put in the work. Okay. There are everybody and their cousin wants to work in sports. Okay. So that's who you're competing against. Everybody who grew up loving sports. Oh, I want to work in sports. Okay. There's you and millions of others. So you're going to have to put in the time, put in the effort. And maybe you start off doing something you, I'm not saying that you don't want to do, but a different side, maybe you wanted to do writing. Okay. But there's an opportunity with an agency doing sponsorship and marketing that it gives you exposure to the sports side. And you can, you can see if that is something that you enjoy, if you enjoy that side of sports, because like I said, I didn't really know I would enjoy sports journalism. I was, I was in, wasn't in another side of sports, but I was in a different career. I tried that. I tried getting into sports journalism and I found something that I'm passionate about. I love it to this day, and I, I wish everybody the same in their career search. Austin Carp is the managing editor, digital of sports business journal daily. A great conversation, and hopefully, Austin, uh, many more to come on this uh, We Sports Chronicles podcast. Austin, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me.